Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Eddie McBool on this series of Captive Voices podcast. This is our long overdue second episode. Um, life gets into the way. Just it's been a little bit hectic with the summer and kids and all. So we, my brother and I, Tarek, uh, we just have not been able to get to it. And there's been a lot of drama in the prison uh, visitations and other issues as well. So as uh, kind of getting back to the introduction, this is a Captive Voices prison podcast. Uh, my name is Eddie McBool once again, and uh, my brother Tarek McBool, who is incarcerated in the New Jersey State Prison at Trenton, New Jersey. Um, he's going to be giving me a call. We're going to be discussing the visitations at the prison and the recent challenges we've been having. Um, so just wanted to give you a quick overview of what the podcast of this episode will be. Um, and let's dive into it. So guys, um, my brother Tarek, um, he's now on the phone. Let's welcome him. What's going on, brother? I'm good, man. Uh, just trying to maintain yeah that's about it uh hoping to hopefully see you guys soon uh you know this is kind of hard nowadays but you know we make the best out of it hope you guys had a nice weekend and i hope to see you guys soon in a week or two yeah inshallah as i mentioned um in the prologue i mentioned that we've been having visitation and other issues in the prison it's been kind of rough it's been a weird summer and the past few months um, what has been going on on your end? What has changed? Where do you think the issues are coming from? Um, and what specifically are the issues? Well, to tell you the truth, I mean, uh, I can, we both know this, that, you know, the pandemic kind of threw everything into a flux. Uh, we are supposed to be outside of pandemic uh, rules, pre-pandemic rules are supposed to be applied. But the thing, but you know, as you know, and I know that once things are left, the choo-choo leaves the train, especially when it comes to NJDOC, it's, it's all better off. And so our Bible usually is, you know, the prisoner and the inmate handbook, they call it. Uh, so in the handbook, the, there are rules and regulations for every visit. It's pretty detailed to the point of how much, uh, if you can hold hands with somebody or not, you know. But right. we're we're told that we're at pre-pandemic, but we're not. Uh, as you know, because of the pandemic, they still rule that you have to call 48 hours. Uh, you know, a person who can read the document, you know, 48 hours means, you know, you can call 48 hours prior to the visit. But, you know, how they read it, it's, they will put a rule and then it's by implementation is by whoever is reading the memo, it's by their understanding. So they have to start this asinine rule that 48 hours uh, before you have to register. But the common sense would entail, like, you know, it's 48 hours prior to the visit, but they said, no, exactly 48 hours. So you guys have to call a specific day, which is 48 hours prior to the visit, which is Saturday or Sunday. So Sunday, that will be, you know, Friday you have to call, and for Saturday will be Thursday. So somebody called on Monday or Tuesday to book early. No, 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 you have to be 48 hours. So those type of rules are implemented now. I think there is the problem is there's so many rules which are made on ad hoc basis 
that it had completely destroyed any semblance of, um, you know, any, you know, structure. And that's why we're having these issues. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to definitely chime in. You know, COVID is an afterthought now, at least for the outside world. Even medical centers, yeah. which were the absolute last institutions to keep those rules in place, even they have gone away from it. So you're not wearing masks anymore. Um, and if anyone, if the doctors are choosing to do so, that's on them. Um, so it's weird that the DOC is continuing something that has been kind of aborted altogether. And as far as the 48 hours thing, personally speaking, from someone from outside, um, it's always vague. What is 48 hours? Because I've actually called um, on a not a 48, maybe a 72 hour thing, and they took it. And at times, they are, no, you, like you said, you have to call on a Friday for a Sunday. It just makes things very difficult and tedious, and I don't think it should be that way. If a person is calling, there was one time, if I'm not mistaken, when you just had to call during the week. It wasn't exactly 48 yeah. hours. So it's all yeah. too many mixed messages, too many rules, and I don't think there is any kind of oversight on that. No, there isn't, and this is the problem we're having. It's, it's, there's too many chiefs and, you know, too many Indians and uh, or chiefs, or what the, how do you say it? Too many chiefs and no Indians, right? Uh, so the problem with that is it's, it's very simple. Like, you know, when they pass a rule, it's on ad hoc basis. Then it's on the interpretation of whoever the supervisor, whoever is reading that. It's simple English language. When it's say you have to call 48 hours before the visit, it does not mean it has to be literally 48 hours. But they're making it as such. And then another person comes who will have a little bit more liberal reading, I would say, of it. Oh, yeah, you can call three days prior to it. That's 72 hours. That suffices the 48 hours. But these are the rules. But again, like you said, it's an afterthought. Because even during at the height of the uh, uh, pandemic, if you remember, they had this thing about the COVID cause and everything else, right? There were people making false calls outside. But the worst part was, that they were within the DOC, within the officer corps, there were people who were just refusing to take the vaccine until this day. Some of, some of the people have never taken the vaccine. And I am not, you know, I have no issues with that. It's your right, your body, you need to, your decision, and you should make your own decision. The point is, it should not affect me. So during the pandemic, one of the stupidest things I ever heard was the visitor and the person who was getting the visit in the hair has to be vaccinated. So they made that um specific for the prison prisoners but the funny thing was uh, one of our cousins came from Canada and he was already vaccinated I was vaccinated uh, but I wasn't able to see my other cousins or family or friends because they were not vaccinated at that time and then he comes in and then not even allowed to shake his hand even though we're, we are fully vaccinated and it kind of became comic uh, I'm just saying this to say that the, the, the absurdity of the rules uh, he came in, they made him sit 10 feet apart. So you have two people with full masks on 10 feet apart. How are you supposed to talk to each other? So you're in the visit hall, and that day it was him and I alone. And with six officers who were just standing there watching the two of us, uh, literally feet away. And they didn't have their masks on because they didn't believe in it. Um, so making the story short, at the end of the visit, I said, can I shake his hand? He's like, no. I said, I haven't seen him in 15 years. Can I at least give him a dab, you know? He said, no, you can't. If you do that, they're going to put you in lockup, put you in 48 hours of quarantine time, or 72 hours of quarantine time, whatever. So suffice it to say, I just ended it there. 
And then they bring me to, they have to do a strip search and all that. So the guy is on pat down and touching me. He has no mask. And I turn around and I ask the officer, I said, are you vaccinated? And he's like, no. And I was just sitting there, I'm like, are you crazy? Like, you have a problem with a person who is fully vaccinated. I'm fully vaccinated. You have the documentation in your hand. You won't even allow me to give him a dab. And you were all over me, patting me down, breathing over me. And so that's the type of stupidity we had to deal with in the last few years. Now this pandemic is supposedly over, but they're treating it as it's an institution like a nursing home and stuff, which makes no sense because civilians and officers come every single day from outside. They don't wear any masks. So why are we under this special designation, I am beyond words? But now that I believe it's just to punish the prisoners, you are discouraging family members to come in with these crazy rules. And like I said, you have your own experience with people who have different interpretation of the rules. So you have no idea what the heck is going on. Um, you come from Long Island, and I'm so anxiety-prone the day before you come because I don't know uh, if you're going to come and you're going to make it here. Because remember about well, a few weeks ago, they sent you back from yep, 12 minutes yep, late? Yep being four minutes late for registration or something yeah right. i mean look i'm just gonna touch on a couple points before we get to the four minutes late thing it's it all seems to me that individual who's taking the appointment over the phone and that sergeant whoever's oh, yeah, on yeah, the yeah. duty is actually running that shift it it's all based on their personality if they're liberal with the rules if they want to bend it if they're a little bit stricter it has it all comes down to extremely poor management at the end of the day doc is a business that's what it is and they have such poor oversight and it's not just within the prison it is the people who are running that prison the downtown offices and it all comes from the governor's office eventually um you know if i'm calling and making a visit um this happened very recently if I'm calling and making a That's visit... That's the four-minute delay, right? Yeah. No, it, now this is... I'm talking about just the visitation as far as the... Oh, I'm the just ca- the calling hours. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If that person tells me on the other side, yes, you are good. We'll see you on Sunday. We'll see you on Saturday. I don't have any kind of mechanism to say, okay, great, I'm good. They have no registration number, no confirmation number. And that happened this previous time. Um, when I went in oh, to yeah. visit and they were like, well, who did you speak with? Because we don't have you on the list. And I was like, what do you mean? I, sp- I called 48 hours as your rule is. Thankfully, I remembered the name of the individual and the sergeant, you know, she acted like she was doing me a favor by saying, okay, um, I'll let you in this time. And I, I asked her, I'm like, what is my recourse? If, if I didn't catch the person's name, if I didn't know it was that individual, it could be random person. What is my recourse? She didn't say anything. So I was like, all right, I'm going to write a letter for this um, because I'm sure this isn't just happening to me and you. I am 100% that this is happening to multiple people. Unfortunately, not everyone is taking the the time to to, uh, follow the protocol and write letters. Um, As far as the four minute thing, yeah, I made an appointment. I came to see you. I live two hours away with no traffic. So in the morning, I can actually do that. Um, I was literally late four minutes. And that same sergeant who was there this time, she didn't allow me to see you. 
And she was like, nope, it's four minutes late. Even though there have been countless times when they allow people even 20 minutes late, it's all up mm. to that sergeant and on their interpretation and how they're feeling that day, which side of the bed they woke up on. And they didn't even allow yeah, me and- a phone visit. I had to drive sure. another two and a half to three hours back, five and a half hours total without seeing you. And that's yeah. just insane. And that, it's insane. And that is exactly what I was talking about, about the absurdity of it all, because the handbook and everything else, they actually give you a, a you know a grace period. And after that episode, I actually got to see the administrator. I actually talked to that sergeant, and then there was another supervisor, the lieutenant. And uh, they're talking about, well, we're going to make a grace period. We're going to make something if somebody 10, 15 minutes late. Because obviously, you know, people, even though it's in you know, people have never seen New York City traffic. You come from Long Island, so coming through Brooklyn or Queens, or, you know, it, 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 it's a mess over there. So you coming from home in New York and coming down to see me, uh, they have no idea how bad the traffic will get, right? Which I don't believe that, that that's even in the realm of possibility. They know how bad the traffic can be. So there's always a understanding that if you come in, and even before, like in the book, if you read the handbook, if somebody is late 10, 15 minutes, they will, they can literally take the 10, 15 minutes out of your uh, hour, hour and a half visit. So they're supposed to deduct it from that. And in the worst case scenario, they're not to send you back. You already registered for a contact visit. So they're not supposed to turn you back. They're supposed to offer you a window visit, which is no contact, obviously. You're sitting behind the plexiglass and you're talking to the person then on the phone, right? But for them to not do it, it, it shows to me it's, it's malice. It's intense, like, okay, don't come here. And that's where I felt very, very, uh, you know, I felt disturbed about it, angry about it because it's my family. At the end of the day, sometimes I think it's the, our treatment within uh, kind of transposes itself outside to our family members who are human beings or civilians, uh, people for DOC, even the justice system in general, are public, public servants. Uh, but they are not acting as public servants. They act as, you know, you know, just the executioners. And they're going to treat me a certain way inside because I'm inside the walls under their foot, so to speak. But that kind of liberty they take with the family members too because you are, you know, friends or family with a scumbag within type of prison, excuse yeah. my French, but I'm going to treat you this way too. So you have 60 seconds remaining. Your time is not as important, um, so on and so forth, and they just send you back. And that, because like you said, there's no oversight. Yeah. Well, I'm going to call you back. Is that okay? Yeah, you can give me a call back. So as Tarek calls back because the time limit ended, you know, I want to chime in on this. I think my biggest issue with all of this is that there's clearly two different sets of standards, one for the DOC entirely and the other for the inmates and then possibly another one for the inmates, families or visits. It's ridiculous. You either make it all the same you make you treat everyone on the same as he was saying the 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 COs the correction officers weren't um, vaccinated so then why do you care about the inmates why do you care about the family members because that just doesn't make any kind of sense if you have the same rules for everyone it is an easily it's very transparent and it is very easily administered 
Once you have these double standards, that's when everyone has issues about it. And I think DOC has mastered the art of this exact point. Have a conversation in every 15 minutes. Yeah. So as um, you were gone, I was just kind of chiming in and saying that you know the the I think what bothers me the most is that there's clearly two or maybe even three sets of different standards. One for DOC entirely, and then one for the inmate, one for the people visiting. And it is such a poor way to run a business to kind of just go through it on how I feel today sort of a thing and the channels of communication are so murky you have to write letters you have to take so much of your time um, writing it and then you have to relive that scenario mentally psychologically and you have to drop what you're doing in your daily life with your family, with your work, and you have to get into that zone because you have to relive it all, and then you have to write the letters, and then they write, you know, maybe a line or two, some sort of a cryptic message that this is good, it was done according to the thing, uh, according to the manual. I would really love to get a detailed message from someone, and you really have to make a lot of hay to get some response. And this, something happened recently where... Um, I did eventually reached out to not just the DOC, to the downtown running it, and then the governor, and then the senator, and then the ombudsman. It's like six different letters. Um, and it's really, really not only time-consuming, it is draining. Hmm. Now, that's the main thing, I think, the whole idea behind uh, the prison system, and I think the entire justice system. It's the overwhelming uh, power they have of just delaying and just uh, curtailing your avenues. And to frustrate an, an, uh, frustrate an individual, if it's on the criminal side, it's just to cop out, just take a deal and just get it over with. Uh, for the people outside, just make it so hard to actually try to have an oversight or have somebody look into it. They just want to just frustrate the people enough so they just give it up. And that is the quintessential uh, attitude by the DOC, and I think the government bureaucracy in general. And that is why it's such a um, runaway train, so to speak. For example, you know, I was talking to you about this uh, on another call one day. You know, New Jersey Department of Corrections budget right now is $2 billion with a B as in boy, $2 billion plus budget. And I am fascinated and just, you know, frustrated with it because I know – how it's run and how much they're doing for people outside or inside and what type of services, ancillary services or whatever, supporting services, for whatever case maybe that's affiliated with DOC. It's run so badly, uh, and I'm wondering where the money goes, uh, you know, because there's no recourse. They, Like you said, they write these cryptic things even when people ask questions. Uh, they just get away with everything. Because for $2 billion, I mean, tell you the truth, there are countries with nuclear arsenal, with standing Air Force armies and, you know, <laughs> navies don't have a defense budget that big. And I'm talking about millions of people in the country. And this is the state of New Jersey's one department. Uh, so it's an indictment towards uh, the, the, you know, the political uh, hierarchy here. And not only that, to the governors, and not just Governor Murphy, I would say all the governors, especially Christie and everybody who came before him. 
because this is their baby. They keep throwing money at it, but there is no oversight. And the tax burden is borne by the people of New Jersey, which is one of the highest tax states in the nation. So, yeah, this is exactly what you have just hit it right on the, on the, the nail on the head. It's just that there is no recourse and there is no oversight. And if you ask for any audits and stuff, you won't even know where to t- who to talk to about it. And, for example, you know, you're talking about the, 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 the rules and regulations and stuff. They have, this, these are just the ad hoc rules we were talking about, like, you know, when you come in and how they treat you and such. The book in itself is so absurd itself that you, you just, I keep using the same word and I can't find a better word than absurd, because you read it and you say, are they crazy? For example, they have these rules about, you know, uh, the, the plain white t-shirt, tank tops are not permitted. Yep. They will go into sweatsuits, warm-up suits, pants having elastic or zipper ankles, gray long sleeve t-shirts, jackets, or, you know, sweaters having hoods are not permitted. You know, it, it's crazy stuff. And then they have things for, like, uh, you know, uh, athletic shirts, clothes with sports logos, offensive language-bearing t-shirts, <laughs> overcoats, topcoats, uh, scarves or hats. Any style of belts, they want to, so basically they're dictating people outside how to shop. So if you want to wear a particular thing, God forbid you have a New York Giants logo on it, you know, oh, you cannot get in. So you have to literally come to see me. It, it must be a freaking adventure in itself uh, just to get prepared and what shoe wear to wear because they only allow you a certain type of shoe wear. No zippers allowed, uh, no slits, uh, no buttons in certain things. It is such a mess and so tedious and so uh, controlling that I can't understand. I can understand the people inside. For prisoners, okay, you have a strict uniform uh, regime. But for people outside, like I said, they just make it so hard, and there's no oversight to it, so they keep on getting away with it. Well, I think that that is exactly what it is. You know, to me, people are sent to prisons technically to get rehabilitated. It's not, if it is anything but rehabilitation. If anything, you go in there and you become a worst human being and you you harbor resentment towards them, anger, frustration, all kinds of different psychological problems because you are not treated as a human being. The punishment should be just enough that you are away, put away from society, you are not able to take advantage of any luxurious items or even the love of your family. You shouldn't, uh, any human being inside or outside should not go through the issues these people make people go through. It is an indictment not just on the DOC, honestly it is an indictment on the people in general. Um, and all these politicians, as you said, the $2 billion budget is mind-blowing. And what kind of war are they going to fight? Where are you getting all... What What is happening? Because I can testify, I've been going to that prison since 2005. It's worse, if anything, not the same since the day I first went in. Like, where where is the money going? The bathrooms by in alone, bathrooms have been in terrible shape god forbid if you if nature calls and you are driving two plus hours to get there it is they're half the time out of water they don't have any kind of sanitary um you know things in there even soap 
where is the budget going? Yeah. Who is running this thing? And then all the politicians, they come, they, they get elected. It is such a complete, you know, disaster of a situation um, that it's really, really mind-boggling to me, honestly. Yeah. And I honestly you don't know... I don't know if other states, um, you know, may God protect me and the family, have are run this badly. I, but I can say this with complete conviction that New Jersey is one of the absolute worst states um, to, at, at least as far as the DOC is concerned. It is a complete police state, and everyone, it the the insecurity. Insecurities permeate in the soul of that department from the person when you walk in, the person who is at the door, to the person who's running the shift and to the people who are eventually running the DOC. Yeah, it's it's bitterness. And then they they exuded, they actually, it kind of projected on people. That's how people actually work instead of, you know, like you were talking about the punishment part. You know, in punishment, in crime and punishment, rehabilitation is an act. It's called correction department. There's no nothing to correct on people. But the, the, the aspect of my sentence or anybody's sentence who's locked up in Jersey, it is, it, the, the, the punishment itself is custodial in nature, right? The punitive aspect of it is that I cannot go home. Uh, like you said, uh, you're away from your family and friends. You cannot avail certain, you know, love. But the, the, the other part of it is, it's not a corporal punishment estate. So, but they make it so that they want to make the day hell for you to just remember that you are in prison. Again, people like who are doing life, it's, it's kind of lost on them because it makes no sense. And again, if there was consistency, then you can even look at it. But like you were saying earlier, you know, things were much better back then in 2005. Remember back then, you had 60 to 70 prisoners come in and they have four family members with yep, kids. Yep. They had vending machines. It they was did. more humane in that sense that kids would run around and stuff. Instead of now how they have, uh, you know, put these tapes on the floor, you cannot cross this. Your father is like sitting like, you know, almost four feet away from you. And, you know, you have to sit upright. Even the children are not allowed that much leeway to run around. How do you tell a five-year-old kid, six-year-old kid, stop running? Then on top, you were talking about the bathroom. You know, they have one water fountain, which I know doesn't work properly because the water tastes bad because they haven't changed the filters. We had the, the when you first used to come here, remember they used to have these vending machines? Yeah, they did. And, Absolutely. And, you, know, you put money on the card. Yeah, 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 you get chips and stuff. And just water, just soda for the children who are there or for you, your family just to get some snacks. They took all of that away. It all sounds and very militant. Yeah. You know, it's it sounds yeah, like it they, they hired a bunch of ex-army guys and tried to make civilian life hell just because they're out of the army. They want to put those all, all those ideas, install them into normal people's lives. Like, who sits up? What, you know, what kind it, of hell are you in like who are we in some sort of an army or there's a sergeant standing there like you have to sit up what are you my dad my mother like you can't yeah, it, behave like that with human beings it's insane no but i was reading a thing on guantanamo bay this is the most secure facility in the continental usa they have more things in their cells sometimes than i think we do as you know, in certain things, I'm obviously exaggerating certain things, but you know, to have a certain amount of freedoms. Here, it's just asinine to a point that I, you know, for example, like, you know, the, 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 the soda and stuff, they took it under the premise of civilians are bringing in contraband. 
the funny thing is, since they, since they uh, took all of that stuff away, and then the pandemic came and the prison was in lockdown, the jail has been run just literally with all types of drugs there is. There's to the point that every single day they send an email via JPay. Don't use this drug. This drug is bad for you. Marijuana is this, That's this and hysterical. That. It is crazy. And it is hysterical because I'm like, do you have no visitors? They need to look at themselves. <laughs> Who is bringing the drugs yeah. in? It's the COs, it's yeah. the correction officers, it's someone from inside who is smuggling those things in, and then, it, like you said, yeah. it seems like they're going to then punish the rest of the people for an, an act of a singular individual or few, uh, and who it's clearly yeah. on their side, and they don't want to call, call those individuals out, of course. Why, why would they? Yeah, well, I guess, well, you know, that's a good subject matter to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about one of these days about the contraband and stuff. Because to me, it's entrapment. You know, a bunch of guys are here stressed out, got life. You give somebody some, uh, the smokes or weed, he will smoke it, man. You know, but that's a different conversation, yeah. I guess, for some other day. But going back to the visits, you know, I remember, you know, holding hands with mom and dad, you know, just hugging dad from the side. He's sitting in the right chair on the side of me. Uh, or you were sitting, it was at least for that little moment of like, you know, fleeting moments, we had some semblance on family life. You can hug the kids, uh, you know, hug your loved ones. And I can understand, you know, you don't want to do lewd stuff, but Jersey also gave one of the longest sentences in, in, in the history of mankind probably, but they have no conjugal visits. Uh, that's another conversation we can have someday. You know, how do you have family ties? You are married to a woman, a country that is so strict about you know family values and stuff when a person locks up oh you can't touch your wife right um i wrote a piece about her remember not too uh long ago uh, but one of the brothers was actually put in lockup because his wife kind of flashed him in a window visit and he went to lockup for seeing his own wife's breast and i'm not promoting lewdness or something but they did it in a very you know secluded area one to each other the only time they, they, they saw it because somebody saw it from the back one of the offices and it, so that's another conversation. But to you have 60 seconds remaining, some semblance of touch with your family and your kids at least. Um, and here it's to a point that they sit there and watch you. It's like you're too close. I have never seen that. A person is talking to their mother and they will say, uh, you're sitting too close, get back. It's your mother. They know it's your mother or it's your father. I don't understand the, the, the logic behind it other than, like I said... It's how control. It's control. It's, it's all psychological. 30 seconds remaining. And Call that... Okay. Sorry for the <laughs> mic drop there, guys. Um, it's all control. It's all, you know, to say it in a nice way, it's screwing you mentally... Um, and I think that is one of the absolute worst things you can do to a human being. Um, I personally think, in my opinion, um, physical torture is, for a person, it, it's a lot better than actually going through it mentally. As he's calling, so I'm just going to pause it really quickly. Okay, bro, but uh, we're kind of running up on time a lot, so it's about 31 minutes already, so we're, yeah. we're going to have to wrap it up. But I was just saying that it's all control, it's all pettiness, and it's all psychological. And in my personal opinion, you know, psychological issues, I, I would much rather prefer physical um, 
torture or pain. I think that is something that heals with time. But psychological things, that's where with the whole mental health movement that we have going on, even with athletes nowadays, that scars you for such a long time and it really kind of affects or changes your entire life's course. It's very traumatic, especially for the children, like you were saying. Yeah, and you know, I just want to touch on this before we forget and uh, to kind of wrap it up. So this is something also that happened on the very recent visit is I was there to visit you. And after that whole thing with the who did you register it with, the saga wasn't over. I was sitting down and there was uh, this correction officer that came in and I saw her coming in and I've seen her in the past. So she's behaved, you know, in a polite way in the past. So I didn't have any other reason to doubt um, her motives. Anyway, she came up, she asked me, uh, very politely, Oh, your, your brother is here. Um, would you mind if I talk to you for a second? And I said, that's fine. You know, she was, uh, like I said, she was being human and that is, that was, that was the SID lady. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that is very rare to go to the prison and have someone talk to you like a human being. So anyway, I went into the room and she takes out a picture or of an inmate and she asked me, do you know him? And I, I said, no. Um, So she kept asking, do you know? Are you sure? Are you sure? Long story short, um, apparently uh, another guy came in, another officer, and they said that this is an SKP. He's a fugitive. And I kind of just laughed. They're trying to interrogate you. (laughs) Yeah, they're trying to interrogate me. And um, they're like, and I kind of just made a comment to them. I'm like, wow, even in your such a secure system, even here, people can run away. And they were like, yeah, it, it happens. Um, and then she's, she told me, she's like, well, I've seen pictures of yours with his friends. Are you sure? So I looked at her dead in the eye. I said, I, I said already, no, uh, seriously, I don't know the guy. And that was it. And then after that, I went down and I sat down. But I was like, what just happened? Um, after all of that, you know, I, I, naturally, I was angry, frustrated. The whole visit wasn't going well. And the past three, four visits weren't all that rosy either, which prompted me to write many letters, uh, multiple letters to all the people uh, I mentioned. And then after that, you know, what that did to me psychologically is just this. Now, you know, you kind of, I saw this commercial of a beer, Um, not like I'm condoning it or promoting it, but the guy in the background basically says, you know, inspiration is something that you lose. And this, I, we both know this being, you know, from a sports background and just into different types of things that only the freshest mind comes up with the best inspiration. And I'm paraphrasing this. And that basically what that incident did to me was, okay, I'm going to revert back to my self where I'm not going to give you the time or the day and I'm going to put you in your place and you're not going to like it and I'm not going to behave in the way that you want to and you know you want to speak and that's what's going to happen because honestly I don't have to speak to anyone you don't have you want to go ask a question go get a lawyer you can go speak to my lawyer I do not have to speak to you I did that out of courtesy out of the good Goodness of my heart, because yeah. my, it, you're in there, and I honestly thought she was gonna talk to me about you. I had no reason yeah, to doubt her stuff. intention. I, I, I'm, I'm still flabbergasted how that happened because I don't think they have jurisdiction in interrogating somebody from outside just because they feel like it. Second of all, the premise in itself is I have seen pictures of you with the friends of his. 
So it is such an asinine comment. I mean, I understand they have to investigate stuff, but they have no judicial, I mean, uh, legal standing for that. If, if I know a person's friends, I mean, how far are we talking about six, seven different people in a group that you might know somebody and who's friends with their friends? It makes no sense, but that is uh, in the DOC and probably law enforcement just in a nutshell. And that's how they will come at people. The uh, reason I was worried about was because I know I saw you, you were kind of perturbed about it, and obviously you will talk to the people because you think I'm inside, has something to do with audit. But what I, you and I were talking about that day, if, you know, your little son was there, little daughter was there, she's six years old, little baby, and your father gets pulled on the side, somebody's getting tipped. It, it, it's crazy because if they're there with you, it's a whole different set. And this action sometimes, just in general, not just this particular thing, it's just how people send and treat people outside. Uh, there are multitude of stuff. There was one officer one time literally almost got into a you know, physical altercation with you. Um, and he's known to be a problematic person. That's why they put him outside. Uh, but anyways, making those comments, I'm just coming to the end of this, is that it has a total effect on a person. And it's inside and outside. Outside is traumatizing for you. Inside is traumatizing for me. And a lot of people, we choose to talk about it. Uh, in a civilized manner and address it by writing letters and going through the legal right. recourse. Other people, and I see young kids, you know, they get frustrated. They're looking forward to their mothers and their girlfriends, their wives, their children, and at the last moment they're told, well, their visit was canceled. And they sometimes react differently and it causes uh, uh, reactions which are sometimes violent. So I think these things, these actions by the DOC's employees and uh, whether law enforcement, whether civilian, it leads to, and it can't amount to basically, a, you know, a, a, a indictment against them too, that it causes an effect which could be violent in nature. Well, I think that's and exactly what they're going out. for. Yeah, I, and this is like they're nudging people to a yeah. point where they're going to react away and then they say, look, here you go. 100%. I think the entire experience of visiting a family member or a loved one, friend, whatever, at the prison, it is curated specifically to needle the people outside and they want to invoke that reaction. And once that happens, like you said, majority of the people react and they curse and they get angry. Yeah. They let the best yeah. out of the frustration get to them. They don't, And then they don't follow up yeah. with letters like I do. And then they turn around and they say, see, your animals, the people you are visiting, their animals, and this is how we're supposed to behave with you to begin with. And that is the indictment on the whole prison system as a whole. Because I can tell you this, you know, I used to, when I first used to visit you, you know, I, I was very jaded just from the whole law enforcement and the whole judicial system in general. And over a period of time, when you come enough times, you drop your guard. You say, fine, I'm here. Some of the people are nice. Most of the people are bad. I'm talking about the DOC officers, not the inmates. And, you know, I'm just going to come and visit. And you eventually drop that guard. You take that two-hour ride. You get ready. You get your kids ready. And you're like, okay, let's go see your uncle. Let's go see your brother. When you get there, you're not thinking about these schmucks sitting there just like a, uh, a predator on a prowl for their prey. And what that does is it sows deep distrust between us versus you, so to speak. And then eventually yeah, I'm going to come exactly. with a kamikaze attitude. Okay, I'm going to think of you all, even the ones who are behaving to me in a human, humane way. 
I'm not going to trust you because you guys are sitting there and you have an ace up your sleeve. And then it's tacit approval sometimes, yes, yes. And that's, that's what it is and I think that's, in a nutshell, New Jersey, DOC, and I'm pretty sure it's all over the states. It's not just them that they are different. They're part and parcel of, every, well, of the whole system. When addressing the issue, hopefully people will listen. Hopefully this is you know, start some change. But this is my time, brother. I have to get my phone. I'm, uh, you know, subservient to my environment. Uh, you know, thank you for having me and uh, talking. And then hopefully we can continue the conversation. And I hope at Inshallah. least at the end of the day, perhaps with your letter writing and stuff, at least they can start a system where you register. At least they provide some semblance of a code or like a registration number or something. So when you're coming to visit me, it's not like a, you know... Yeah, this time around, I'm going to follow up with them as deep as I need to follow up um, because I can't keep doing this. But anyway, man, um, be safe. Inshallah, we'll speak again um, and we will do our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Take care, everybody. All right. So that was my brother. And I'm just going to kind of end the podcast in the way that these instances these experiences really take their toll on your psyche on an individual and it really carves your thought process as how you're going to be um it doesn't take much to be human and i think these guys njdoc they just go out of their way and they really just want to make your life hell uh, all right guys with all the little technical difficulties aside i'm gonna wrap it up thank you very much for listening please subscribe to the podcast our website is captivevoices.com same thing on social um the first episode i actually just put on youtube it was a video um things have slightly changed altered and i'm going to put the first episode on the audio podcast, I'm going to try to find the best way forward um, as if it should be video or audio. I'm one person doing this, so whatever technical difficulties um, you've experienced, please um, extend your courtesy and uh, give me a little bit of break. I'm learning as I go. This is not a professional setup at all. Uh, the whole goal for this podcast is simply to raise awareness and talk about the issues and give voices to those who don't have voices. Thanks again for listening. Captive Voices Podcast, uh, episode number two. Till next time. Thank you.